0: good to be together, to worship together. <clears throat> this morning for a message, I, I feel small, I feel inadequate, and in some ways feel fairly ignorant. Um, I'd like to, as we um, have been looking at some areas of deception, I'd like to look at some healthcare deceptions that we are faced with, that um, from time to time. And um, I see Sister Dorcas is here this morning in the uh, medical profession as a nurse. And um, I guess you can correct me on anything afterwards. <laughs> um, I, I have done some research in the past, um, at times being faced with some things that we needed to, um, to think about, to consider, to look into, and uh, to be honest with you, I, I come away from some of that research at times without definite answers. Because there's voices out there that speak this way. There's voices that speak that way. And, and how do you decide? How do you determine what's right, what's wrong? I have uh, come to some conclusions on some things for, for our family. Um, just through some of this research about some areas that we will not go. And in preparing for this message... A couple of books that I have relied pretty heavily on. One is a book, Gripped by a Dark Hand. It's written by Paul Weaver, a name you may know, uh, from Ohio. He is a, um, a bishop in a conservative Mennonite church and assistant director of Christian Aid Ministries, at least at the time that this book was written and has also been a counselor for a number of years. And another book that you may be familiar with is The High Cost of Holistic Healing, written by Dr. Nolan Byler, who is a medical doctor. And I believe that these men have written Coming from a standpoint of seeing darkness that happens in, in some of the practices that have reached into some of the conservative settings. One thing that uh, Paul Weaver, in his book, uh, he has it on the front cover here, and he, he brings it out again and again a mark of this dark hand is conflict in the heart the home and the church, and um, he just has has a number of different stories of uh, people who have been under that that, um, darkness, under the grip of Satan in some of these areas. The deception that happens in some of these healthcare practices, is um, a deception from the master deceiver, and it reaches deeply into the spiritual realm. Health is one pretty important area to each of us. We all want to have good health. We want to feel good. That's that's. You know, if, if we experience pain in our lives, something's wrong. Um, we want to do what we can to get rid of that pain or, or whatever it may be. We want to function well, and we will pay a lot for good health. Uh, we've, we see that in our world today, in our country today. But I would say that both in the medical and also in the natural, there are practices that are not for the Christian. I think we would all acknowledge that in both areas. There are unscientific practices that can gain a foothold of the devil in a person's life. And there are also practices that are not scientific, but are effective when practiced by certain people, and they are not for the Christian as well. There is a power coming from somewhere else that we do not want to be involved in. I recognize this morning that this is a controversial subject, but it doesn't have to be a divisive subject. I think we all want to know the truth, and we don't want to be involved in questionable practices. There's controversy from cancer treatments to immunizations, from essential oils to reflexology, and um, we, we want to look into some of these this morning. We want to look at the teachings of the scripture as well. And the scripture may not spell out things specifically, uh, but we, we can learn some some things. And again, I, I just tell you this morning i I feel small, and i'm I'm open to correction and to um, where I may have misunderstandings. I'm going to invite your attention first of all to Deuteronomy chapter 18 Deuteronomy 18 the Israelites were here coming to to the time of going into the promised land and God is calling Israel here to choose his spirit. Deuteronomy 18, we'll begin at verse 9, it says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter, with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess Hearkened unto observers of times and unto diviners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. I'm going to stop reading there. A few terms in here. Um, I'm just kind of lumping a few together here divination, observer of times, and chanter. I would understand those to be having to do with foretelling the future through happenings or through using lots or possibly through um, some other physical things, Uh, but definitely foretelling things of the future in ways that were not through God. The word witch there, one who practices magic and having to do with entering into the spirit world. Uh, the word charmer, one using spells, uh, consulter into, uh, okay, uses the word consulter there, one uh, consulter with familiar spirits there, um, looking into the spiritual word, w- into the spiritual world, and the word wizard would uh, be comparable to a witch, uh, but of the masculine. The word necromancer. Uh, We remember the story of Saul going to the witch at Endor, and I I believe that that would have been uh, what a necromancer would have been, um, going to the spirits of the dead. These abominations were surrounding uh, and within the people, uh, practiced by the people, in the promised land there and where Israel was going to go. And God wanted His chosen people to be clean of these abominations. That word abomination, something abhorrible or morally disgusting. This was dealing with spirits that were not of God, rather against God. Do we wonder why it was abominable? But Satan likes to take his wares, and he likes to give them a good look, to make them look appealing. They're counterfeits. It's like a $100 bill that is a counterfeit. It looks like a $100 bill if they do a good job on it anyways, but it's a counterfeit. It's not the real thing, and it's not worth $100 like a real $100 bill is. But the danger for Israel was that they would go into this land, they would be surrounded by these people, and that they would accept their gloss, They would accept their counterfeits. And God knew that Satan's counterfeits would bring Israel back into bondage. They had come out of a physical bondage in Egypt, and he did not want them to go back into a spiritual bondage away from him. Now I'm going to turn to the New Testament, the book of Acts, and there's three accounts I would like to look at here. Um, Sorcery is a word that we find here in Acts, at least in a couple of these passages, and I think the third one uh, we could could be referring to sorcery as well. Acts chapter 8, gives the account of Philip going to Samaria and preached Christ unto the Samaritans. And they received his teaching with joy. And there was a man there. His name was Simon. It says he used sorcery and he bewitched the people, of Samaria. And when many people came and believed, Simon also came. He believed and he was baptized. And Peter and John came to Samaria to help Philip with um, the work that was happening there. And beginning here in verse 15 it says, about Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So here the coming of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit was, um, was still very recent as Christ had ascended back to heaven and he was sending his Comforter. So they, they prayed and the Holy Ghost uh, was received. It says for as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus verse 17 then laid they their hands on them and they received the holy ghost and when simon saw that through laying on of the apostles hands the holy ghost was given he offered them money saying give me also this power that on whomsoever i lay hands he may receive the holy ghost But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon, And said, Pray ye to the Lord, for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem, and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So Simon, the sorcerer who... In time past had used sorcery. People looked to him. Uh, he bewitched them. Now he sees what the apostles are doing, and they have this power, what it's looking like to him, to, to do this great thing of laying hands on the people and praying for them, and the Holy Spirit comes into them, and he wants this power, and he, he offers money to do this. But Simon wanted to use man's means to do the work of God. He still wanted to have the people under him. And Peter called Simon here to repent of his, I think we could call it sorcery. Simon needed deliverance. And I don't know that we read of Simon again, uh, I'm not sure, I didn't really look into that, I don't know what his, his um, end was, but uh, I, I hope that he was delivered from the bondage of sorcery that he was into. Now we're going to turn to Acts chapter 13, <clears throat> I'd like to read the first 12 verses here, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrena and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted and I'm sorry as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos... They found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was bar which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the holy ghost set his eyes on him and said o full of all subtlety and all mischief thou child of the devil thou enemy of all righteousness wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the lord and now behold the hand of the lord is upon thee and thou shalt be blind not seeing the sun for a season and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. We'll stop reading there. Now, one thing I should have brought out earlier. The word sorcerer, as uh, we read in Acts 8 and again here in Acts 13, a sorcerer would be uh, like a magician or a, a wizard. Uh, pref- a pretender of magic powers or a professor of the arts of witchcraft. So we see kind of what what kind of men these were here that the disciples were dealing with. And in this account here in Acts 13 Bar Jesus was a sorcerer and Sergius Paulus was uh, seems a companion of his here, but it says that Sergius Paulus was a prudent man, uh, maybe a, a wise or an understanding man. And i just like to bring out here that this prudent man, Sergius Paulus, uh, seems like he did not see through. Uh, what Bar-Jesus or Elimus here, the sorcerer, was into. And just recognizing that we too, uh, as, as humans, in our own human understanding, can be deceived as well in, in areas that, um, of, of health care or, or of other areas of life as well. Paul recognized what was within Elymas, the sorcerer here. How did Paul understand and see what was within him? If you notice back in verses 2 and 3, verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Okay, this was the disciples. Who were, who were there at Antioch, the, the prophets and teachers there. And then in verse 3, when they had fasted and prayed, and then they laid their hands on them and sent them away. But there was a connection with God. There was an openness to God. There was a heart for God within these, uh, these men. And I believe that that is how they could recognize the sorcery that was happening. And if today we're going to recognize the sorcery that happens, we're going to have to be in tune with God. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 19. And we have here the account, if I mention the seven sons of Sceva, I think we all, uh, many of us would uh, know what that passage is about there. We're going to read that. Acts 19, beginning in verse 13, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, just stopping there, the word vagabond, we usually have a pretty negative connotation of the word vagabond, I believe. But I think that's just referring to them as being wandering Jews. And the word exorcist is a person who called out demons through chants or recitation of particular names. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Skeva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked, and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed." So the sons of Sceva, and I believe probably these other exorcists of the vagabond Jews, I would say they were dabbling. And as we look at the sons of Skeva here, there's one thing that they didn't have, and that was an identity with Christ. The evil spirit, if I can find the verse here, the evil spirit said, Jesus, I know. He knew who Jesus was. And he said, Paul, I know. And I believe he knew Paul because Paul had an identity with Jesus. But then he said, but who are ye? And I believe that we need to have an identity with Christ. And that the evil spirits need to know that that's where our identity is. Messing with evil spirits will bring us out on the losing side. If, if we don't have Christ, if we're dabbling in those things, just like it did with the sons of Sceva. Blessing to see that in Ephesus, there was repentance of their curious arts. I'm sure not everyone, I would think not everyone probably, but many repented of their curious arts, their magical practices, their sorceries, and they destroyed their books. There was revival among those people. And if we have been into things that are wrong like this, there can be repentance and revival within our hearts. We'll look at that a little bit later. <clears throat> Often we use the term, we hear the term alternative treatments or alternative health care and I was a little unclear on exactly uh, what falls into the alternative camp um, in the high cost of holistic healing Um, the the definition there would be basically anything that is not under the umbrella of conventional medicine, so um, my understanding of that would be basically things that that the uh, in your doctor's office, in the medical profession, the uh, hospitals um, and and so forth that they wouldn't practice would be uh, under the umbrella of alternative treatments. Uh, there may be different understandings on that, and I think we would acknowledge that um, there are some things that we use that um, those in the medical profession would not necessarily use. One thing I think of is the use of herbs and vitamins. And Genesis 1 uh, brings out, um, God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree which is the fruit. In which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed? To you it shall be for meat. And that word herb there, I think, could be referring to uh, maybe more than what we think of as just falling under the category of herbs for health, uh, possibly the uh, vegetables and grasses that can be used for food. But I believe that God has given the plants our good, and man has found um, some good uses um, for for health among those things that grow, and um, there's there's nothing wrong with using um, herbs and and um, different supplements for um, for the good of our health. I want to bring out a few words, though, um, as we think of alternative treatments, and um, the Gripped by a Dark Hand would have listed these words, I got the list from there, and also the other book, used a number of them, words to be aware of. Um, you go find a bottle of um even vitamins. I don't know. Let me just put it in a broad spectrum. Things that you might pull off of the shelf in a store for your health. Some of these words should cause red flags and be warnings. Energy, universal energy, healing energy, life energy, vital energy, life force Vital force, magnetic energy, electricity, bioenergy, frequency, body balance, enlighten, inspire, energize, holistic, new age. And I believe that some of these things, we find these words on bottles of of pills or whatever, that might seem to be perfectly legitimate, and I feel it's safest to leave them on the shelf and to avoid them. Now I want to bring out a few healthcare methods that I believe we should stay away from. one of them that I, I didn't look into a lot, but I, I think it's good to be aware of, is in the field of chiropractic. Chiropractors manipulate the bones. If things are out of place, um, if you have a sore back, you go to the chiropractor and you, you get things worked, manipulated, your back cracked, whatever all he does. and and um, it's it helps get things back in place okay it it makes sense but there are deviations many deviations in many chiropractors and um the the one office that we have gone to in the past um, and i i forget some of the words um if it was he seemed a very straightforward chiropractor. I mean, he got you in there and whip bang and <laughs> um, he, he takes care of it. And you're out of there. But there were some things in some of his, um, I'm not sure, was it a screen on the wall? And what, what those words were exactly, I, I should have checked into that again. But I think it probably would have been in some of those um, words in the list I had mentioned earlier there, to steer clear of. And um, we've come to a place of, of being uncomfortable with not his practice and what he does, but what he is promoting there, and which in turn makes us uncomfortable with using him as a chiropractor. Something else that you find on the shelves of many stores is homopathic medicine. Samuel Hahnemann, who was the founder or father of homopathic medicine, uh, his belief was that like cures like. So, in other words, to cure a sickness in a person, you use a medicine that would cause the same sickness if the person was healthy. Okay, so what would cause the sickness, that's what you use to heal the person that has that sickness. And one thing that is, is a, a trademark of homopathic medicine is that they'll take an herb or whatever the substance may be, and they will dilute that herb with a carrier, a solvent, something. And just a little a simple explanation of it is that they may take one drop of that substance and put it in 99 or 100 drops of the, the solvent or the carrier. And then that is vigorously shaken to mix them together and then they'll dilute that again. They may take another drop of that and put it in the 99 or 100 other drops. Uh, i have seen some different things on numbers there, um, maybe even more uh, diluted, even more than that, but they'll do that several times and vigorously shake that. Now, they say that the more diluted a substance is, the stronger it is. Can you explain that to me? So for an emergency, you use something that is more strongly diluted. Supposedly it works. Can you tell me how? I think we have to be careful of these things. Um, I didn't write them down but um, on the, the back of many of these bottles it may use a 1X or 3X or uh, letters C. I'm not sure how all that is, but um, it's a um, a sign of being a homeopathic medicine. Um, one of these books here mentioned, interestingly enough, I ask how it works. One of the books mentioned that he was a follower of a spiritist or a medium. Um, I think we have to be careful, and I encourage you to avoid. Homopathic medicines or medicines that make claims of being homopathic, even if they look fine otherwise. <clears throat> Another healthcare method or practice that I encourage us to use caution in is that of essential oils. Now, we do use. Um, some essential oils, and I'm just going to acknowledge it is a controversial subject. And so I'm just going to um, read what Nolan has written here on the use of essential oils. He says, My conclusion after studying is that some of it may be fine, but much is questionable exercise discernment in using these oils. then he goes on to say, um, he says, however, the names and descriptions of some of the oils concern me. And this is where it gets really questionable in my mind. For example, one is called forgiveness. And in quotes here, I am assuming that this is the description that they give on the bottle. It says, this blend contains angelica, frankincense, rose, and other oils high in electrical frequency. These high frequencies may help release negative emotions in order to forgive and forget. Apply around the navel and heart. Another is called joy and contains ylang-ylang, bergamots, and citrus. It is applied over the heart or in the bath water. They're specific on how to use it, okay, where to use it. Then there's one called the three wise men. And here in quotes, open the crown chakras. And I didn't look into that, but I actually think... I'm not sure, he might have something to say on chakras. Open the the crown chakras to allow for a release of emotions. The gift of the three wise men combined with sandalwood, juniper, and spruce. Using this blend on the crown helps to create energy of opening and releasing. These essential oils in themselves, this is um, Nolan writing, now, he says, these essential oils in themselves are fine, but the claims are quite outlandish. Right? I think another oil to leave on the shelf. And he says, one called purification does make sense. It is formulated to help purify air in the home. It neutralizes mildew, cigarette smoke, and other noxious odors in the home, office, and other confined areas. Can be placed in the air vent to freshen the car. It says it also repels bacteria, bugs, and mice. I would just simply say that essential oils with spiritual or emotional claims should be avoided. I believe as Christians, we ought to avoid these. Another healthcare method. <coughs> that I believe we should stay away from is reflexology. That's something that I became aware of a number of years ago. Um, did some research on it. Uh, it's a type of zone therapy. Uh, the feet are divided. It, often they deal with the feet, uh, massages of the feet. The feet are divided into zones and believed to correlate with the organs of the body, and um, I just did a little um, looking into that yesterday, and again, I saw there's they have foot maps, uh, pictures of the bottoms of the feet, and different colors, different areas showing, uh, and that 's to show what area of your foot correlates with a certain organ of your body and um, there's believed to be an invisible flow, and the reflexologist, the person practicing it, is considered a medium or channel for energy to circulate. And supposedly, uh, I believe it's both diagnosis and treatment that they would do through the feet. Okay, unscientific zones, Uh, but somehow supposedly works. Another one I relate closely to that is iridology where the eyes are studied to determine a patient's health. I first uh, became aware of this without the the term years ago uh, my dad was working for a a man I believe he was a if I say this here I think you'll understand a Brauch doctor do you understand that uh, we'll get into that a little bit later but um, my dad was talking with the one boy and um, he mentioned that yeah his his brother his brother can read eyes and I believe that was probably like iridology here where the eye is divided up again with a map and they look at certain parts of the eye and how they, maybe the color or things they supposedly see in there and can determine what's wrong with your body. Interesting thing is, Nolan as a practicing doctor in a, a conservative community, uh, he would say that when he examines a patient who has also been examined by iridology here, um, Almost never matches up, his, his um, diagnosis. Almost never matches up with the iridologist. Um, radionics, it's another, uh, was kind of a new word for me, but I understood a little bit of uh, what it was here. Um, th- taking a pendulum, or sometimes a nail clipper is used, and held over a handful of pills in the person that is to take the pills and depends which way that pendulum turns, determines if it is the right um, pills or the right amount of pills, Um, where do those powers come from. I may have heard of the black box, Uh, I believe it's a complicated uh, looking box uh, where Um, Either a hair of a person or a picture of the person can be put in that box for a diagnosis, and the person can be far away, and a diagnosis can be made. Um, That's about the most of my understanding of radionics there. Uh, Another thing that was mentioned is pain drawing. And this, I uh, didn't realize it was a big thing, but first became aware of it years ago as As a boy, um, a neighbor had a child, a baby that was sick. And I assume it was a stomach ache or something like that. And I believe it was the father took the baby, held the baby, and the baby was no longer sick. But the father was then sick and experienced the pain. Okay. Um, sometimes I think it's used by a touch of the hand where the pain is drawn out of the person and into the person who is practicing it. Again, unscientific, but there's, there's a power there to, um, that is dangerous to be messed with. Now, I had mentioned earlier the word uh, brauch. Maybe I'm not pronouncing that quite right, uh, but would have happened in um, some of the Amish settings. A brauch doctor. Uh, if I mention powwowing, I think you'll understand that. But basically, the brauch doctor uh, would was powwowing under a different name, and it was accepted at least by some in the Amish churches. Uh, but Powwowing is placing magical spells over people for healing purposes, and um, basically, it's demonic power using Christianized terminology. I have in my ancestral line um, some some powwowing. I'm not sure if it was my. great-grandmother or great-great-grandmother, someone I never met. Um, So when my uncle was in, I think he was maybe in one of his first grades of school, but he was at a a young age. He was sick. He was in the hospital for a time and um, wasn't, wasn't improving, wasn't getting better. And this Great or great great grandmother of mine wanted to have opportunity to powwow over him. And my grandparents were not sure about it, but after a time they did allow it. And I just heard recently that my uncle acknowledged uh, that there was some talk about that with my uncle, and he said that his great-grandmother, or whoever it was, told him he's not allowed to tell anyone what was spoken in that room or what was done in that room, and I wonder, what are the effects that that may have left on my uncle for many years that he may still be dealing with some Um, Many, many years later. Another thing that has been, um, well, I'll mention about holistic um, treatments. And the idea behind holistic treatments is that The person is being treated as a whole, his body, his mind, and his spirit. Now the body is physical, and the body can be treated physically. But the mind and the spirit can be healed only through the power of Jesus Christ. And I do acknowledge that what we experience in our bodies uh, when we're sick, it might affect us emotionally. Um, when we feel good, when we don't feel good physically, um, it's hard to feel good emotionally. And, um, if we're not careful, it can, if we allow those emotions to get away, it can affect us spiritually. I do acknowledge that. But it doesn't have to be. A person can be dealing with pain and sickness and still be victorious in Jesus Christ. The next, uh, the last thing I have here this morning, which is not um, in the realm of health so much, but is that um, of water witching. Another thing that would have been practiced um, without much shame, I would say, in some of the areas we were in, but where the person practicing the water witching uses uh, wires, or a pendulum, or a forked stick, and they carry that over the ground to find water under the ground. And I believe that they would use the reasoning of electricity, um, the wires conducting electricity, but um, there is so little electricity that it could could not work through electricity. But my understanding is that it works, at least for some people. Maybe not for everyone. Uh, But where a person may try to hang on to the stick that they're holding, and they're powerless to hold it. Unscientific, and again, I believe it's of a spirit we do not want to be a part of. This morning, I acknowledge in my past of, I say, in my ancestral line, um, powwowing. And in this book, Gripped by the Dark Hand, he brings out about how things can be passed down generationally, where it can have its effects. And I do not understand that this morning. Uh, but that is something I want to be free of. I do not want any connection with the powwowing or whatever those spiritual things that were wrong that happened uh, in my in my ancestral line. And also, I acknowledge this morning, and it may seem simple, it may seem childish, but as a young boy hearing about water witching, that I thought, you know, this sounds this sounds kind of neat, and um, I recognized, I knew it wasn't something right to do, but um, my brothers and I, a couple of my brothers and I, I think it was, um, pretended to do it. And I want to just renounce these things this morning, that I want no part of these works of darkness here. And This morning I believe that if we have been involved in practices that are of the devil, of such as we've talked about, or others, I believe that just as with any other sin, that we have power as we confess, as we renounce, as we forsake, as we destroy whatever pertains to it, and as we make our identity with God and with His people, even as Paul did, even as the sons of Sceva should have done. And, and we can be delivered from these things, from the darkness. You may be wondering, how do you determine what are safe practices? I, I have not covered a very broad list here this morning, even though it was a number of things. And just a couple of things I'm going to mention here, that anything against God's word is unsafe. Okay, does God's Word, I'm just looking back here, does God's Word say that you should not um, say use radionics? Well, no, it doesn't specifically say that, but it does not line up with the principles of God's Word. Anything against God's Word is unsafe. Anything that goes against Science is unsafe. You may hear, it works. We don't really know how. Uh, Be very careful. But even that, we can still get confused sometimes. And I'm gonna say one more way to determine what a safe practice is, is listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna read here uh, an account a testimony that Paul Weaver has written in here for himself. Um, he says, I walked into the health food store one day. My wife had called me at work and asked if I could stop at the store and get some mullein oil for the children, since one of them had an earache. So I stepped into the store looking for a mullein oil and finally found some. It was in a black bottle that looked a little strange. But since I couldn't find anything else, I took the bottle and headed for the cashier's desk. However, something inside me felt wrong, even though I didn't have any knowledge about the oil. I was not at peace in my spirit. The price was four ninety-five, so I walked up to the counter and bought it, but I still didn't feel peace. So I finally asked the manager if he could tell me where the stuff was made. He responded, have you ever heard of this certain person? I said, yes, I sure have. This man was involved in witchcraft. I also knew he had read some of the Egyptian witchcraft books. I told the manager that I knew him and I didn't want the mullion oil. I knew some of the rituals that he would go through to make his medicine and bring power upon it. And he goes on to say that he, the manager, had some other stuff for him, cost him instead of 495, cost him 12.95. and he considered that a cheap price to pay to stay out of the grip of Satan. I would just say if you are faced with something um, of, a, of a health um, practice that you are unsure about, be very careful before just jumping into it. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And this, he's talking about fornication here earlier, but I think we can apply it to this. It says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Brothers and sisters, let's not trade our spirit for the devil's means of a better life. We have been bought with a price, the price of Christ's blood. And let's stay within that. Let's stay under the blood of Christ. This morning I know we've talked mostly about alternative practices. I would say too though, be aware as you, um, as you go to the doctor um, and as you look for health, be aware of, of what they are doing and um yeah one i haven't studied into a lot but one thing that does concern me is when we jump to medication for every little thing and um you know i think of spiritual issues that can be covered up with drugs um and i i i say this so carefully cuz i recognize that i am i do not fully understand i i don't understand this subject, but um, let's be careful that as we consider things we face, maybe depression, anxiety, what it may be, that we um, consider our hearts and and look to God. And again, I'm not going to say there's never a time to to use medication for such things, but um, I think it should be done prayerfully and through much wisdom